0: There's a little tiny bit of a system that you can bring to, you know, stuff that you do all the time. And we have a really simple conversation structure that we have quite literally used for every single issue or crisis in our lives, good and
1: bad. And that's what we want to walk you through today. Welcome back to Off the Ground, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life. Channel your inner girl boss and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey team, right now. <laughs> back on the Skype.
2: Back on Skype, so exciting! Oh, it is uh, exciting. H- how's everybody doing this week? Everybody hanging in there? Another week, but I think we're managing.
1: My <laughs> like quarantine say,
2: life. Yeah, I like to say I'm th- taking things one breath at a time because that's just the most manageable thing for me. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. The new normal, right? Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I mean, same, same Z's.
3: I'm excited we get to be together.
2: Same. So I would just love to dive into introing our guests because I am so, so, so excited about them. Today, we are just thrilled to bring on two incredible humans, serious couple goals, relationship ninjas, and people I am lucky enough to call my friends. These two are partners in teaching and in marriage, what? Who does that? <laughs> Superhumans. <laughs> Alex is a success and creative leadership coach for driven women who has been featured on the Oprah Winfrey show, Martha Stewart Living, Goop, and was the co-creator of a little-known Oscar-nominated documentary called "Supersize Me. Changed my life. She's also a best-selling author of five books, including Women, Food, and Desire, Bob is an authority on lean, agile, and responsive organizational design and has worked with Ford, Spotify, GE, and a few other organizations like those that you've never heard of, JK, incredible organizations. The Power Duo's latest collab, Radical Alignment, how to have game-changing conversations that will transform your business and your life is the book we cannot wait to read when it drops this summer. Alexandra Jameson and Bob Gower, thank you so much for being here with us today. Hi, thank you for having us.
4: I'm so excited Welcome.
2: to be here. We are just so thrilled. I want every bit of information. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so we're going to dive in with this power duo in a second, but we are all living in our own kind of new realities. And you guys know, we always do our weekly catch up topic. So uh, I had a topic I had broached to the girls like earlier this week. And so I just wanted to like, dive into this one for our weekly catch up topic, because I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but I'm going to admit it. Okay. The world is full of tragedy right now. We all know that our first world problems are not the ones that really matter, but sometimes they can feel really real in the moment, right? So let's talk about the first world problem that is bothering you the most during quarantine. And honestly, I feel so guilty complaining about this because it really isn't a big deal. But for girls, it can be things like our nails. And okay, we've all gotten addicted to eyelashes, to eyelash extensions. It has become such a thing. And once you have them, when you don't have them, it's like, what is life? And all of a sudden, I feel like, yeah, because I'm wearing fake lashes, guys. Because I had to try a different kind that I put on myself, and I am no makeup artist. So what is the what is the first thing? I'm like looking like I'm ready for RuPaul's Drag Race right now because, like, this is this is what happens when I do it myself
3: they look great though they're right there I don't know how you did it when I do them I put them like all over their inside their outside those look amazing
1: well I'll tell you what I used actually because there's a lot because now if you're like anything like me and it's probably because my cookies and my you know following me and tracking me in my Facebook feed so I'm getting targeted for ads every ad in my Facebook feed is for lashes and so I decided to try a kind called moxie lashes which you put on um an eyeliner that has some sort of like um I think there's charcoal in it. And then the magnetic lashes stick to your eyeliner. Oh, I mean, that's, that sounds amazing. And I feel like I kind of
2: want to try them because I am, I am the worst <laughs> at makeup or any sort of cosmetic, anything like I, I, this is Heidi speaking. And I really attribute that to my time. Cause I mean, I was an actress for decades with, I would literally just like show up and like plop in the makeup chair and then like walk out looking like a million, not like my, the best version right. of me, you know? Yeah. So, I never learned how to do any of those things. So. You're a natural beauty. <laughs> oh, thanks, babe. So, we're all of you. <laughs>
1: when they told us at QVC, like in my last, well, they started going, the shows are now unguested. So, I haven't been live at QVC for weeks. Um, so, now I go on QVC via Skype or via the phone. But when I was doing my last couple of weeks there before they closed down the studio, they told us, okay, we're going to keep having you guys on, but to keep the place safe safe and sterile, no more glam services. I was like, I'm sorry, red alert. What? <laughs> I like, I panicked. I was in a full panic. I cannot do my own hair and makeup, guys. Like, I can't. I think, I mean, it looks amazing, whatever you did. I, it's I a think. side pony and a false lash. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> well, I speaking of <laughs> <laughs> I
3: need a haircut so bad. It's like growing like I don't know like weeds it's just it's just all over the place and no matter how much I try to contain it I'm just like I don't know it's either like pulled back and it looks too slick or when I'm doing these calls it just gets all in my face so I need to figure it out and or cut it myself.
1: George has been cutting his own hair my husband has been cutting his own hair and he's about to cut our, cut our kids hair
2: I have, I have to- been cutting Alex's hair. hair you have? He made me he literally Hounded me up, Sorry, not Alex Jamison, our epic guest. Um, <laughs>
3: my
1: husband, Alex, because that would be a feat through the computer. Um. <laughs> but Alex and Bob, what are you guys doing? Um, my hair is like Rapunzel
0: now. It's so <laughs> it's beautiful. Low, and I have successfully cut bob's hair twice in the bathroom yeah I feel like we have overcome a major marriage covid stressor <laughs> point right now we yeah. can do anything
4: I still miss getting my hair cut but I but I also realized I've been spending money that I probably didn't need to spend like my beard trimmer <laughs> apparently has attachments that work fine for my hair and I think it looks fine i she cut it two days ago you look, I think you look like great. great
1: yeah you look great yeah awesome. and that's what we're all realizing though that we may been spending money on a lot of Fancy things that we could have been doing ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Very, very true. Yeah. Very I'm true. To I...
3: John's hair this afternoon or sometime soon. He finally got the clippers. Um, so I, I've been watching tutorials on people showing how to do that, the cut, and you're supposed to go straight up the back and not curve around the head. So I'll let you know how it goes.
2: God <laughs> Give me speed. all the good tutorials, please. Maybe we should link them below. Yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of things that could get you divorced, why don't we talk about the topic?
3: Um, There are two popular jokes floating around about couples during COVID-19 shelter in place. One, the next baby boom will be in approximately nine months. And two, the divorce rates are going to skyrocket as soon as social distancing ends. And since none of us would like to see our marriages and or partnerships crumble under the enormous financial, physical and emotional stress that this pandemic can bring, we have decided to go to the experts. While these stressors can break the longest-standing relationships, there is opportunity to use them to make us stronger together. Today we are taking re- talking with relationship experts Alexandra Jameson and Bob Gower so they can share their proven approach to getting clear on what you need and want individually so you can come together support each other, and thrive as a team through this crisis and beyond. You guys, sign us up and tell us what you got. Help us
0: out. (laughs) Help! was quite the intro. I know. (laughs) You know, I, I have to say that our book doesn't come out about this topic until August, but because this of this crisis, we've had the opportunity to just we've just been teaching it online to different organizations and groups. And we've taught well over a 1000 people in the last few weeks who've shown up for workshops and webinars. Um, So that this is really top of mind. And it's really close to people's hearts right now.
3: Yeah, I feel like um, it, it, it can either make or break. It can go in either direction, um, and uh, we're trying to embrace it. It's just We don't have children, so it's my husband and I. And um, it's been going well, but there's a lot of things now that are on top of just your relationship, like, you know, cooking three meals a day and taking care of everything inside the house and small spaces. So there's so many factors that play into it. I was going to
4: say, one of our favorite, uh, experts, she's, uh, Esther, Esther Perel. So she says that, you know, the dis- disasters are a relationship accelerator. So if it's going one direction, it's going to accelerate in that direction. Um, and so I guess I should be clear. We're not promising necessarily to turn the direction around completely. Like we might be able to slow things down if it's going in the wrong direction, and we can certainly speed things up if it's going in the right direction. But really, I think our, pers- you know, I-, I think I'm just going to speak for myself here, but Alex is not my first, you know, relationship. And boy, am I glad those other relationships ended, you know, because I because part of a relationship is also finding the right person as well as being the right person in a relationship. So it's not. And so it's not just about like having a technique that's going to fix everything. It's also about showing up in the right way and having the right partner as you do.
0: Yeah. And at the base of what we want to share is a really simple technique. And it's going to feel weird for people, but just as I'm sure Heidi's clients who are going into downward dog for the first time, (laughs) there is a little tiny bit of a system that you can bring to, um, you know, stuff that you do all the time. And we have a really simple conversation structure that we have quite literally used in for every single issue or crisis <laughs> in our lives, good and bad. Yeah. And that's what we want to walk you through
2: today. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot wait. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the idea is that, you know, conflict often arises because conversations are missing. Right. And we just like we assume what the other person is thinking or we assume the other person's on the same page and they may be close to it, but they're just not quite on the same page. So the classic example we like is. You know, you're going on vacation, you know, and both of us are going on vacation. Both of us are dying to go on vacation. We're dying to go on vacation together. But I've been working really hard and I just want to sit down and do nothing. And Alex has been a little stir crazy at home and wants to go off on an adventure or maybe vice versa. And until you know that, until you have those issues surfaced, you're not going to be able to design a vacation that's really going to serve you both. And you might end up with you might end up arguing in the in the streets of Barcelona because you know somebody wants to do. No, I'm not. We never argued in the streets of Barcelona. (laughs) That didn't happen. happen. (laughs) But you may end up in an argument unintendedly. So really, what we're here to do is kind of help you have only intended arguments or have have the productive arguments, the arguments that move you forward, as opposed to the arguments that move you uh, that just kind of spin you out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we call this the all-in method. And at the root, it's a four-part conversation that you can have as a couple about pretty much any topic. So we have used this method to help us figure out whether or not to get married and then how to plan our wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Which went really, really well, by the way. Um, We've used it with our now teenage son to navigate the New York City public high school application process. I've used it by myself before going into renegotiations with my son's father about child sharing stuff. So you can use it for all levels of, I like to say it's like how to have a high stakes or highly emotional conversation where everyone is protected and everyone wins in some way.
4: Yeah, we've used it also to go visit family, which isn't always a vacation uh, or doesn't always feel like a vacation. Um, and and it's really been helpful, I think, especially with uh, with our son, who's now a teenager that, you know, because I mean, I'm just going to be transparent here. I have a little bit of a stressful relationship with my family. Some people may may. And I become a person that I don't particularly enjoy sometimes when I go to see them. And one of the things that's really helped contextualize is like we go and now go into that together. You know, like we go into it as a and I really feel supported. And I also feel like, you know, in the places the times when I drop the ball. That I'm supported to kind of show up better, and that you know I don't know. It just kind of creates a context where we're all in it together. So something that could be stressful and could accentuate tension actually creates us, brings us closer together. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing. Maybe it really relates to this COVID thing as well. Is that I think that yes, it's a stressor, and a lot of us are thinking, let's just get through it. Let's just you know kind of keep the pressure to a minimum, and let's see what we can do to mitigate. But there's also an opportunity here to actually come through things stronger, to actually come out on the other side. Like, we've been through a lot as a couple. We've been through surgeries. We've been through deaths of parents. We've been through um, a lot of different, you know, a lot of different sort of life stressors. And each one we've gone through, we've come out as a better couple and a more and a better team. And I think that's really the intent that sits behind this methodology.
0: Yeah. So should we take you through it? Let's do it. Oh my gosh, please. <laughs> I do like give us the techniques. Can I write it down? Enough
4: teasing. Yes.
0: Right. And 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 we want like we've got like a freebie for everybody that they could you don't have to take notes. Ah. So you'll get everything yeah. at the end. Um but the the first step is to, you know, what's your intention? Mm-hmm. Like and by the way, we go back and forth. You can use a timer. We actually encourage you to use a timer in your conversations with your partner.
4: Yeah, and actually, I say maybe we need to step back just a, a touch. And the 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 first step is really to agree what you're talking about and why you're talking about it. You know, oh. like let's sit down and talk about kids because we want to figure. You know, we want everybody to get what they want. Let's sit down and we're going to talk about our vacation. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to, you know, like constrain the topic a little bit and also create a compelling why about why we both want to be part of this conversation. And often one person is going to be a little more into the conversational idea than another person. um, And just know that, you know, your topic is going to come, you know, like Be into your partner's topic as much as they are. And then because they'll be into your topic as much as you are later. Right. And so you can kind of um, trade that back and forth. So agree with the topic is. And then, as Alex says, we also take turns and we also try to really make sure that when you are in the role of speaking, um, that you're being courageous, that you're being that you're that you're that you're bringing yourself forward. You're taking risks, essentially, in the conversation, being some being vulnerable. But also when you're listening, you're creating space for that vulnerability by not being judgmental. Not, you know, shutting the other person down, not um, going into problem solving mode, but really because the because the intent of this of this conversation is really just to share information with each other. So when we do go into problem solving mode later, we have a full, full, full informational landscape to work with. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And when you think about we we usually like to take like 4 minutes each so i'll share my intentions about this topic for 4 minutes you share your intention yeah and there's no crosstalk you know we we've both spent time in the 12 step world so we don't crosstalk over each other and we're not um you know we're not asking um bad faith questions but you can ask clarifying questions like i'm I'm not sure what you meant by that, or can you tell me a little bit more about that one thing? Yeah. It's not like a hidden dig. (laughs) Like, oh, is that you know is that what like not that kind of irritated tone
4: isn't that really a stupid thing to worry about <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it may sound like a question it may have rising intonation <laughs> but it's a judgment
2: yeah if you upspeak is it a question <laughs>
4: <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> exactly so after you share your intentions you go into concerns And this is a really beautiful place to be so human. Our brains are so good at coming up with all the fears and the worries and the concerns about a topic, right? This is like the easiest one for most of us. But it is a place to really let the, you know, we say let the crazy out a little bit. Because often what happens when we just share our worries or fears in a safe container, our amygdala, the lizard brain, really has a chance to calm down. And often, what happens is when you share that secret, like shameful worry, like okay, like I was actually afraid writing this book together that we would fight and it would lead to divorce. Like that was a little worry I had in the back of my yeah,
4: head. Yeah, let's use that as an example. So, so maybe maybe that would be helpful because you said like you you mentioned in the beginning that we uh, that we we teach together and we are, are a couple. And you said, that is not that amazing? And yes, it is amazing. And yes, it was something we were extremely cautious about. This book is the first thing. We've been together almost a decade. This book is the first thing we've ever even, because we both had bad experiences in the past. We're like, no, let's just be romantic. Let's just, be, let's just build a life together. Let's not do business together. So when we got into this, so we talked about our intentions. The first, So we used the methodology to write the book. So, And it's four buckets, intentions, concerns, boundaries, and dreams. And we're going to go over each one. But intentions, our intentions were like, Well, we want to we want to create something together because people seem to want it. Um, We want to try doing a creative project together, maybe make a little bit of money, maybe test out how we do as business partners. You know, like, did you have other intentions when we did it? That covers it. That about covers it. And then we got into our concerns and the concerns were like, we're going to get divorced because (laughs) you're going to edit my writing and I'm going to get angry.
0: (laughs) We're going to hate each other by the end of it. Those were the big concerns,
2: basically. Yeah. 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 Very fair. (laughs) Or that it
4: would fail or, you know, that it would or that we'd feel bad, you know, like the idea is to like, our brains are really wired for negativity. Like we are hardwired, so hardwired to be, to have a strong negativity bias. And so the idea is like to get all that craziness out, like just get it out. Even if it sounds dumb to get it the hell out of your head, because the act of speaking it often discharges it.
0: Yeah. Once you hear yourself say it, I was like, Oh, we're not really going to get divorced. Like our marriage is obviously more important than a book. Yeah, we will put that first.
4: Yeah, we'll put that, and we. But we did create an agreement after we said that too, which was either one of us can kind of tap out of the project at any time, you <laughs> be like, okay, I'm done.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let <laughs> me ask you I'll a cancel. question. Yeah, please. I want to ask a question because my husband and I also work together. He also owns a company and has his own job. But um, when I stepped back from my corporate job and have been doing, have been building our own brand and doing. Um, this full time, he has been my business partner and a wonderful business partner and a very kind, loving, like he really, he really does a great job. Like before I was sitting down to do this interview with you guys, he was like setting up my (laughs) ring light, and my computer, like he's just, we're a team. However, when we go in to do certain tasks, like photo shoots is a really good example. And when I say photo shoots, I mean, you know, we do Instagram is a big part of what we do for a living. So that can just mean him and I on the back porch with our kids and a a camera. It doesn't necessarily mean anything fancy. We get a ton of tension. I am very high energy type A New Yorker, and I want him to do everything faster. And by the way, I don't really want to change how I like to do things. I like being go, go, go. I'm proud of that. He wants to be Mr. Laid back. take his time, do the tripod right, da, da, da. And he doesn't really want to change how he is. And every single time there's a tension. So the question I have for you guys is, how often do you embark on this process? Is it more of a one-time thing where you sit down and say, okay, we're going to line align on being business partners and here are the boundaries, or do you do it every time? We do it all
0: the time. All
1: the time, to- like it has become
0: our go-to way to communicate. And, Ooh. as Bob likes to say,, let's like, say it's like jazz. Like you practice your scales so that you can then improvise. Yeah. We do the four-step format as a structure pretty often around specific topics. And then we get into this flow where, you know, we'll be in the kitchen making breakfast and one of us will be like, oh, you know, that boundary about that thing, like it's changed or I need to add something or I don't have any. Like we're, we have now a vocabulary and a reference point and it doesn't necessarily have to be the full structure all the time, but. We use it pretty often.
4: Yeah, and we even have like an internal language about it sometimes. Like sometimes we'll just be we'll be like in a cab on the way to a to a party in New York City at night, you know, and you're and
0: remember those days. Remember
4: those days, (laughs) yeah.
0: (laughs) Just
2: Uh, thinking that Um,
4: but you know, they'll be like, you know, be like, hey, what do you why why are we going to this party tonight? You know, and like just by bringing the why question out, all either one of us can ask it, and we'll know. Okay, we're talking about intentions now.
0: It's actually, I think it's really exciting to hear that there's creative tension between you and your husband around this photography project that you guys regularly engage in, because creative tension is where new ideas are born. And you could have this intentions, concerns, boundaries, dreams, conversation just around how you do photography together. and. See where there is alignment, where there's disalignment, and where you can go next with it, so that it's not the same loop over and over again.
3: Mm -hmm. It's so true. I mean, this is Christine, um, and I. Same thing as Jamie, my husband, and I. Actually, we met years ago at Sesame Street Parents Magazine, and he was the creative director, and I was the um, intern at the time. Where there's a little (laughs) bit of an age difference, Um, but. That being said, you sort of like learn a little dance. It's that, you know, we've been working together forever and now we both created the ba- the brand and the business. Um, he's a photographer. I have my, my brand and business. And every single day, you know, we eat, sleep and breathe work together. And he's great at shutting off and just saying, okay, let's go for that walk and enjoy the walk. And I'm like looking at every possible photo op and my mind is, you know, Eight different directions at all times. I'm I'm like driven to a fault. Um, but there's a bad. You know, it's good because he's like Jamie said right before this. John was helping me with my lights and and you know everything we could possibly do. And my my AirPods weren't working. And he was he put he always puts me first. Um, and it's it's so impressive to watch that. And I need to work on myself. I think it, because I'm not as giving as he is or I'm not as patient as he is um but it's it's nice to learn from one another I think too because I'm I think I'm definitely better now than I was when we first started mm. working together and um it's, yeah. just, it's such a every day is so different and it's such a challenge to work it's a blessing to work together but at the same time you know you have to separate your life and your work if it's all merging you know all day every day
4: I'm so I'm so glad you're talking about this, because I I, a lot of the work that I do is with um, I do a lot of kind of conflict resolution. I do. I work with boards. I work with leadership teams and I work with a lot of teams, organizations that are trying to innovate and disrupt. And, you know, obviously, in business today, diversity is a big issue, especially diversity at the leadership level. And we often think of diversity as a conversation around, you know, like, how can we make everybody feel comfortable and that's not really the way it works. The way because because if I'm bringing if I come from a different background, if I come with a different perspective than somebody else does, by definition I'm creating tension. So it's actually about leaning into the tension, managing the tension, and using the tension in a productive way to feed off of each other, kind of like what Alex was saying. So the creativity comes not when it's not it's A plus B kind of bumping into each other and then creating C. It's not like A and B compete and see who's better, you know, which is kind of the way we sometimes think about it. So a lot of this is about creating i always think of the of teams both personal as well as professional as having kind of an iq a capability but also an eq which is the emotional landscape and the emotional landscape is really what drives everything else i would much rather have a team with a lower capability a lower skill set and a much higher you know regard and, and emotional capability with each other than a team full of like type a players who are all jerks to each other you know like you know, like <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, after you get all your concerns out on the table, you move into boundaries. Now, this might be the toughest for those, well, for all of us, because who teaches us how to have boundaries? No one. In fact, most of us, and I'll speak for uh, everyone who identifies as a woman in the universe, we've been taught how to not have boundaries. (laughs) So
4: I noticed you had Terry Cole on your your podcast earlier, and Terry's so wonderful. I think, yeah, we, anyway, yeah, she's, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. she's
2: amazing with boundaries. She is,
0: and she actually, she actually endorsed the book and said that this was a great format to use. (laughs) So I encourage you to think of them as starter boundaries, Like, they might be imperfect at first, and that's okay. And you're trying to express what you need for your best self-care. Like, what do you need to show up as your best self? You're not necessarily ordering off a menu. You may not get everything you want, and you're not, like, dictating to the other person what they must do.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But you're trying to express what it is that you need. Yeah around this topic.
4: And this can be the hardest thing for to hear as well, right? You know, because sometimes people hear it as a demand, you know, like, well, my boundary is I need this. And you're like, well, how are we going to take care of the kid then if you need that? You know, like and immediate. And so and I really encourage people just to sort of, to, again, be in listening mode, to be in curiosity mode, because we want to stay in that place as long as we can. And boundaries have a way of sounding like they're a decision. But really, it's, you know, well, what do you need to be your best? What at, at what moments are you your best? You yeah. know, and so And I do this in a business context a lot, which is in this conversation almost never shows up in a business context, right? Because people are always like, well, job comes first, always job comes first. And does it really Mm -hmm. like, is that really how you do your best work is by making the job come first? Or do I show up as a better employee if, you know, my family is well taken care of and if I'm well rested and if I'm exercised and I'm healthy and if I've eaten well, and I would say all of those things are true. Like I only show up as my best employee or my best worker in those moments when I am most, you know, kind of sourced. And again, you may not get everything you want, but let's at least articulate what that is. Let's at least articulate what that looks like. Know what we're going for.
0: Two helpful questions, I think, to help you put some language to it are how do I want to feel and what do I know I can do to feel that way? That can help you create your starter boundaries. And then you get to see, like, where do your boundaries align there, may, You may discover something really lovely.
3: Do you find hey, that writing things down, like making, you know, going back to old school stickies or notes or lists, I find that lists are great, even if it's just to say, you know, here's what we have to tackle today, instead of me saying, like, we need to do this, we need to do this. Like, it's not like I'm nagging. It's more because I'm more the type A, you know controlling personality um but a lot of times that i feel can come off as nagging and and you know like you have to separate i guess the romantic part of the relationship to the the business part and we do it so well the business part and and the other part but you have to i have to learn to separate those two so i find lists are great and then you know how much of that list can we tackle today without uh, affecting the romantic side of things
4: yeah yeah. And, you know, in one boundary we have when we is actually around the conversation. So the conversation is usually used to talk about things that are high stakes or difficult. And so one thing that we've learned over the years is that those conversations go better when you're well rested, when you haven't had any alcohol, have no alcohol in your system whatsoever, um, when you are in a quiet, sort of distraction-free space, and also when you're not feeling too necessarily upset. You know, like, so we we borrowed something from uh, from 12 Steps. They talk about halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Um, we add an, a, another A for alcohol in there as well, because 12 Steps, apparently you don't have to mention, you know, that, that's sort of taken as a, like I a guess, given, I guess, in You're not going to be alcohol in your system. Um, but, you know, but we found that, like, even and and it's really been a wonderful thing, like, so sometimes we'll find ourselves getting into an intense conversation and be like, hey, wait a minute. It's late at night, it's over dinner and we're having a glass of wine. Can we talk about this tomorrow morning? Yeah. And it's amazing how, what that little sort of perspective change can do. And so it's really just tuning yourself to be aware of those. You're going to never get them right all the time, but it's tuning yourself and then creating those little rules, you know, like, um, and I think also for couples, you know, like who work together, um, not every moment is an opportunity to have a business conversation, you know, (laughs) like,
1: (laughs) I have to remember that. (laughs) And yeah, but also I think, you know, you you said something earlier where it was, um, you know, you have to honor the other person's topic. Like when it's time for their topic or when it's time for them to feel heard, you can only expect to have your turn if you've given them theirs. And Christine, I think for you and I, it's like a great example the other day. And I, it's, I'm embarrassed to tell the story, but it's the truth. It's my truth. Um, we were going for a walk with my kids. Uh, a stroller brand had very generously sent us a stroller. Now, the exchange was that we were going to do some content for them and give a review of the stroller. So in my mind, as we were taking my children out to take these photos with the stroller, it was a business walk. We had to get the, the pictures taken. We had to get it done, right? We, we, were, we were graciously given a stroller. But my husband, fairly, and in the vein of being a very good dad, was like, babe, can you just enjoy the walk with the kids? I did not take, I did not pause a beat. I did not take the time to be like, I knew he was right. Yeah. In my consciousness, I knew he was right. But I was like, you know... This, because it's, he's always the one asking for, you know, okay, can we just, and I'm always the one like, no, it's business. We got to get the shots done. Yeah. There's an in-between somewhere. But you also, in fairness, have to be able to be wrong and have to be able to say, you know what, you're right. Our two little children are here. Let's just enjoy the walk and then we'll get, we'll get that done too.
0: Yeah. yeah. I love that so much. And we, we talk in the book about how this conversation structure in, in our relationship and so many people that we've shared it with, our goal is that we don't, I, you know, the expression relationships are 50, 50 relationships are a hundred, a hundred.
1: Terry this, says that too. <laughs> this is my, yeah. It's yeah. my favorite quote. I say okay. it every day, literally. This we're going to have to note that quote. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it helps us feel like we're for each other. Like, I'm for you, and I feel like you're for me. And that is that is where great teamwork happens. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And, what, I'm sorry. I was going to say one of our favorite therapists uh, as well, a guy named David Schnarch, who wrote uh, a wonderful book called Intimacy and Desire. He, his, his specialty is um, desire differentials in relationship, which is just a fancy way of saying one person wants to have sex more than the other person. Um, and very fancy. Very ah. fancy. Um, but one of the things he points out is, and, and, and is that in any context, it's not just sexual, but it's in any context that one person is always going to have a higher desire for something and the other person is always going to have a lower desire for something. Like that's just, you know, whether it's going out to dinner, whether it's going to parties, whether it's, you know, going on vacation, whether it's having kids, you know, like, Whatever it is, there's always going to be some sometimes it's extreme and sometimes it's narrow, but there's always you know, it's very, very, very rare that you're exactly the same. And what's really interesting about that is that the person with a low desire is the one who controls it. If I say I'm not into that the conversation is essentially over, right? Yeah. Especially when it comes to sex, right? You know, like I'm not into sex. but well, you know, no one's going to, you know, like you can't force that on somebody, but you also, likewise, you can't force going out to dinner on somebody. You can't force it you know? And so I think one of the things this conversation does for me so well is that it lets me into Alex's world. It lets me understand what her world is and where she's high des- higher desire than I am for something and where I'm lower desire. And so then it's up to me, that hundred a hundred thing, to actually meet her, or that we can then workshop and come up with some way for her to get what she wants. You know like sometimes the one person has to like lower their desire a little bit that's perfectly and sometimes person the person has to raise it and sometimes you have to come up with well maybe you should go to the party by yourself. You know like maybe that's the thing too, right? Like you come up with different different methodologies and over the mm-hmm. time we've actually come up with a lot of different boundaries or a lot of different rule I, I don't know if the rules is the word but like guardrails guardrails for our relationship, the way our relationship works and it makes it an ever evolving conversation. Um, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. And the project, like anything else, I feel like, you know, the relationship itself is another job project. So you have to kind of navigate that, but, you know, not make it a chore.
1: Yeah.
0: But we want it to be a joyful project, yeah. not one that feels like <laughs> a drudgery project.
4: <laughs> I, I've been in a couple of those. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> Glad I'm not in those anymore. It, Both business and personal. Yeah. But that brings but us you to, know, you know what I
1: love though, is that I'm listening to you talk and you're using business language. Mm-hmm. You're using the language that I, we always used in my corporate setting. That said, I love my corporate job. I love being creative. I loved workshopping stuff. Yeah. I loved coming up with strategies and implicating them to make things better. And I feel like in a relationship, often we just live in it. We, d- we don't workshop it. And we don't have guardrails and we don't try to make it better. I have to just tell you how brilliant my husband is. (laughs) So (laughs) he's
0: amazing. And he always, he describes this conversation structure. It's like bringing more business into your relationship and bringing more of the emotional into business, which is what we need
4: which also makes the book kind of impossible to market because (laughs) we're like, does it belong in self-help and relationship or does it belong in business? And we're like, yes, you know, and long conversations with our publisher around that. But, um, you you know, but like it really, but we really can't choose. And I, and I think because, you know, I know from my business experience that bringing humanity into the, into the conference room, into the boardroom and honoring each other's humanity makes everything go better. But likewise, You know, like I've been in relationships, I've, you know, hinted at like sort of a little bit of a tumultuous relationship past. And that's often because I've been making decisions entirely on passion and not on like, well, do we both want the same thing out of life? You know, so a little bit of strategy in the personal life is super helpful and more humanity in the business life is is essential, in my opinion. So, yeah.
0: And the last step of this four part conversation is my favorite. And it's the most important. And you end on a high note, which is. What are your dreams? What are your dreams for this? If this thing were to go extremely well, how would it, what would be the ultimate end result for me, for you, for us, even for the world or for the company?
4: If this were to be the best quarantine ever, what would be true for you at the end of it? Which is a little bit weird, right? It's a little bit of a weird, weird question, but honestly, we're stuck in it. We're in it. So who do you want to be on the other side of it? How do you want to feel? What do you want to come through this with? You know, and I and a lot of it often is like, well, I want to come through closer to you. I want to come through with my business intact. You know, like I think we're all you know, like we all we're all working on different things. But and I want to come through not having gotten sick myself and not having, you know, like and, and my family is healthy, you know, like it can be really small things. But then if you take it into a vacation or you take it into your sex life, like the best vacation ever, I'm going to come back rested. I'm going to have seen some new things. I'm going to have this new vigor and excitement for my work again, you know, whatever that is.
0: And this this last focus on dreams really gets the oxytocin flowing between you Mm. and helps you bond in a in a really imaginative, inspired way. I love that. So intentions, concerns, boundaries, and
2: dreams. And
3: I love all those words.
2: (laughs) What if one person in the relationship is super into this and the other person is like, (sighs) (laughs) such a good question. So we actually use this
0: by ourselves for ourselves. I use this to think through things all the time. Mm -hmm. I'll do it as a writing project. I know you do too. Mm -hmm. And we've also used it with other people, but they don't know we're using it. (laughs) And it's just a way to guide a conversation. It's not a manipulation. It's just, you're bringing some structure like, Hey, so, you know, Hey Dave, I want to talk about this topic. My intentions are blah, blah. What are your intentions? Yeah. Okay. My concerns are this. What are your concerns? my boundaries, my dreams are this, what are yours?
4: I, I use this in sales all the time and I never tell people what I'm doing. I'm just saying, so, you know, cause people hire me for projects. I'm like, so why are you, why are you looking for help with a project? You know, why are you, why are you looking for a management consultant right now? And then I ask them about concerns. I'm like, so what's gone wrong with other consultants you've hired? Or, or why would this relation, you know, let's say this mm-hmm. goes bad. What would go, what would make this go bad? And people are always so refreshed that I would be asking that cause usually in sales, you're expected to be positive all the time, yeah. but it really helps us, kind of get underneath everything. Yeah. And I was like, OK, and who has to sign off on this? Like boundaries, like who has to sign off on this? And, and and what's your budget? And, you know, like when does it need to start? Is there any external date that I should know about that makes sure that I have to hit to, for it to be finished? And then you close it with if this would be the best thing ever. What would be true? Yeah. And that is a really dirty trick in sales because all of a sudden people are imagining a world in which things have gone perfectly with you. So,
0: (laughs) We've been using it with our son since he was really little. Yeah. And, you know, the vocabulary was a little bit different. But he's also witnessed us using the conversation for years. Now that he's 13, he understands the level of vocabulary around it we're using now. But it's also a way to really bring respect between the parent-child dynamic, like asking them how they feel, what they want, and what their dreams are. And and they start to learn. Well, they may not get everything they want, but they have a say. Their opinion is respected and heard. It's really beautiful. And, does and he I... lean
1: into the vocabulary, or does he rebel against it? I'm curious.
0: <sighs>
1: he doesn't seem to rebel
0: against it. He's pretty good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So far.
4: <laughs> he, he, he's a very emotionally literate ch- person. Yeah, like he's, mm-hmm. he's 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 pretty aware.
2: At what age did you start with him? Oh gosh. I mean, we started
0: using it about eight years ago together and almost immediately started using it in every aspect of our life, especially around vacations. That was a big one. Like, what do you want out of this? What do you not want out of this? Yeah. What would be the best thing that you could imagine about this?
4: And sometimes it's really helpful when you're talking. Um, so sometimes as a couple, it can be very personally focused, you know, like, so, um, I'm just going to pick a topic, but let's say we're talking about sex and it could be like, why do you like to have sex? Why do you want to have sex? And why do I want, you know, like, what do we get out of it? Is it intimacy? Is it, is it thrill? Is it, you know, whatever, right? There's lots of different reasons, but when it's in a business context or also in a, um, or in a, in a family context, sometimes you can say we, you know, like, why are we doing this project together? Why, you know, just what's the why? Of it? Not why am I doing the project, but why are we doing the project? Why is it, or why are we going on vacation? Like, let's say we're going, you know, we're going to see family. Well, we're going to see family because it's important to keep connection with family. We're going to see family because you know, I
0: feel obligated. I feel obligated.
4: <laughs> yeah, you know, like you just kinda of get it all get it all out on the table, right? Yeah. And I and I find that he picked up on that language pretty easily. We don't have we don't say intention intentions is a little bit too too big of a vocabulary word for many people sometimes. But you know, but like why? Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gets to the same thing. Yeah.
2: yeah. Is there any scenario where you feel like this might not work? Like, is there a certain scenario? Do you know what I mean?
0: Um, I mean, there are people who, ju- and you may only discover it through trying to have the conversation. I mean, you may discover that you are not in alignment mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, good. Okay. You've discovered that now. Yeah. Sometimes. And then why? <laughs> <laughs> well that that come maybe that's book number 2. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is a great negotiation and relationship tool and it doesn't solve everything, right? It, so, sometimes the only best result is that you discover you are not in alignment.
4: Yeah. So another kind of piece of material we pull, we pull into this is a, is a hostage negotiator, a guy named Chris Voss. I don't know if you've seen his book, um, Never Split the Difference. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and he talks about so he was a hostage negotiator for the FBI for many years. And he talks about the emotional journey of that, essentially, and the idea that without empathy, I can't negotiate. And, you know, and and it may seem weird to try to develop empathy for someone who's threatening to kill people unless they get money in a helicopter, right? But he's like, I need to really understand that other person's position. And so yes, you may discover that you're not aligned, but the other thing you want to have is, and I discovering that you're not, you know, a terrible person, we're just not aligned. And I really have empathy for your position. Like we'd actually both be happier if we actually parted ways and found a way to part ways. And you can get super, super clear on that. And, you know, we call the book Radical Alignment, but we don't promise that you will become radically aligned with anybody. Like that's that's like the cult leader um, manual, right? You know, like, like our manual is more like, Let's discover whether or not we are aligned and let's decrease the accidental misalignments that, that happen along the way and increase, you know, the trajectory toward the intention towards alignment. But unfortunately, the way life works is we may discover or not. Yeah, we may discover a boundary around a person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how helpful this is, you guys. I think you have helped so many people today by joining us. And I got to say also. Before this conversation, and I mean this in a very positive way, so hear me out. Before this conversation, I thought my husband and I were doing great in this quarantine, which we are. Mm -hmm. We're doing fine. We're doing well. We love each other. We're happy enough. But our communication could be better, and we could really be using this. We're using this as an opportunity to do many good things, but one thing we could really be doing is taking the time to work on our on our relationship and to better ourselves, and to treat it like all the other projects that we're embarking on. So, I cannot personally thank you enough because uh, this really gave me some homework.
2: <laughs> yeah, me too, and I'm so excited to put these tools to use. Yeah, have
3: to check back and have, We'll report back to you how we're doing. How we're doing. Oh my gosh! Please let us <laughs> Please know. Please let us
0: know. We Please would love. We love. We've actually gotten a ton of incredible. Stories, feedback from all these people. We've been teaching it to um, our shared friend, Rebecca Baruki from Beck's mm-hmm. life. Yeah. She, I mean, she's really the reason we ended up writing the book. Cause she was so, she, I, I taught it to her. She went home, used it. She's now like, this has saved my marriage like 17 times. I have five children and I work with my husband and we both work from home. And like, we were insane before and yeah. <laughs> now we're not.
4: Yeah. She wrote the foreword to the book. Yeah.
0: Awesome. <laughs> That's, That's so, so good. We have a script that people can download if they want to like have an actual, like follow us step-by-step through it.
1: Yeah. We will link that. Where, yeah. Where can people find that? Radicalalignmentbook.com. Amazing. And we can also link, link in, it, the show it, notes. in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay guys. Well, we always end with just two quick things. So bear with us. Okay. We always like to joke. We have this quick lightning round. This is where things get really, really challenging. Okay, are you ready for the questions? Ready. Yes. Yeah, ready. ready. Questions. Three questions, and you can each answer them. Okay. Um, okay. Morning okay. or evening workout?
0: Oh, <laughs> afternoon actually.
4: Yeah,
1: afternoon. afternoon. Yeah, oh, that's I, good.
4: I, I tend to work out at three. It's my transition from mental work to family home time.
1: That's great. We actually learned on a recent podcast with Norma Kamali that four o'clock is, is, is like, I guess, somehow data proved that that was like the golden hour to work out. So I you're said. pretty close. It's
4: like my favorite. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, what is your favorite workout?
4: Uh, I, I lift weights usually three to four times a week. And in we have, we're fortunate. We have a roof deck here in Brooklyn. And I bought um, some Bowflex adjustable dumbbells right when what this started. Mean? And ah. it changed my, it's, it's. It's yeah, I like I've i kept it together pretty much throughout the whole quarantine, thank God.
0: Pre-COVID yeah. mine was um Pilates classes on reformer, but now it's my mini trampoline. Oh fun. <laughs> that. And
2: fun,
4: Pilates fun. has changed my life too. Like I I do Pilates regularly with a with a trainer as well. Yeah. It my I used to have bad back problems and it changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: Do they have, have do they have trampolines that like is that in your apartment or on the roof? It's a
0: mini trampoline and we take it out and put it on the roof. Like yeah. I just bring it in and outside.
3: Okay. Cause I want a mini one too. That's such a great workout. Um, I used to take a class in New York a while ago and it's such a great cl- for balancing and for core and for, it, there's so many things that you don't realize. Fun.
1: And it's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> My, My neighbors addicted. think I'm insane. They're like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it I it you <laughs> Okay, last one, coffee, tea, or matcha?
0: Oh, Earl Grey tea. <laughs> oh.
4: Coffee, black, in an AeroPress, three cups a day, probably.
1: Whoa, <laughs> uh, love that. <laughs> yep, that's my kind of coffee the drinker. Very, very last thing is called
2: the Karma Call, which Megan says much better, but she's not on today. Um, <laughs> karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our incredible guests for an action that our listeners and viewers can take just tiny little change that they could make maybe once a day for a week or whatever you recommend that would make a really big impact on their lives. Have
0: a conversation, like take time out, take an hour talk to each other, use this tool. I swear to you, it's been like revelatory.
4: And don't be afraid to put the kids on an iPad for an hour and shut the door and, you know, like like really, really make space for each other and just sit and listen and be together.
2: That's such a beautiful, amazing piece of advice to impart. Thank
4: you.
1: You guys rock. (laughs) Thank Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for having us. We really appreciate this.
4: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, we can't wait to try it. And this is a very special time to be able to do these episodes and share with people. So thank you for being here with us and everybody at home. Thank you for joining. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, all the different places that you listen to podcasts and follow us on the gram at off the gram podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye.